0: I sing a song of the saints of God, patient and brave and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died for the Lord they loved and knew. And one was a doctor, and one was a queen, and one was a shepherdess on the green, they were all of saints of God, and i God help me to be
1: one too. Hello, and welcome to Tea Time Theology. I'm your host for this episode, Taylor Wilkie, and today we are talking with Reverend Spencer Reese, vicar of St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Wickford, Rhode Island. Welcome, Spencer.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: The topic for this season is... Bumper Sticker Bible, where we talk to clergy about commonly seen religious sayings that appear on the backs of cars that you see while you're stuck in traffic. Right. Um, Their meaning, uh, how they relate to scripture, and generally how they make you feel when you read them Mm -hmm. while stuck in traffic. Right. Um, Father Reese has chosen the topic... God is coming, and boy is she pissed. Now, before we jump into the topic, I learned just now from you, Spencer, that you are relatively new to the diocese. Yeah, brand new. Um, So let's start with where you come from.
2: Where I come from. Yeah. Who
1: is Father Reese? Oh, Lord.
2: Before this, I was in Jackson Heights, Queens. I was in a bilingual parish, Spanish and English, and I had been called there to reopen a parish uh, because the priest had died of COVID-19. The ground zero for COVID-19 when the pandemic started was Jackson Heights. And mm-hmm. so about three to 400 people died in like a, a 10-day period. And one of them was, was the priest of the parish. They closed the church. And then, and then seven months later, they asked me to uh, reopen it, uh, largely because I speak Spanish, which is because uh, before that, I was in Madrid, Spain, for almost 10 years, and then before that in Honduras in Central America in a all-girl orphanage, Nuestras Pequenas Rosas in San Pedro Sula, Honduras, where I was for about a year and a half. Um, is the piano music bad?
1: Uh, no, we. Uh, Is that okay? No, the diocese um, pays for the rights to all the music that they're playing, so we won't get struck. <laughs> okay. We won't get any strikes. Okay. <laughs> They're practicing while we're doing uh, this. They're, even if we, even if the microphones are picking them up, um, I'm not sure if they. Oh, are. okay. Um, but you know, a little bit of music on the side doesn't. No, it's really...
2: great. I love the choir here, and they're so, and the music director is so talented. So mm. it, it soothes me to hear it. Uh, those are the, all the priests' jobs I had uh, before this, and then before that, going. I guess we're going backwards. Are I like doing uh, a Quentin
1: Tarantino on your life.
2: Yeah. That's right.
1: Um, what,
2: what, is that his movies go backwards?
1: Um, I think that's a joke that they people tell about his movies. I'm not sure if that's true. Oh, for what, does um, Pulp Fiction go pulp backwards? Pulp Fiction goes backwards. It does go backwards. It does. Okay,
2: so it's a Pulp Fiction on my life. Um, so after that, I, before that, I was at uh, Brooks Brothers. I was in sales and management in the Florida markets. Oh, um, I love Brooks Brothers. Yeah. I'm a
1: little too wide for Brooks Brothers, though. What? Why, what is your waist? Huh, 42. Well, that should work. Well, I usually go into the stores and they don't have my size and then I get to order it out and then I'm like, ah. Uh-huh. Forget What's it. Your, anyway. Yeah. What's your jacket, like, 46? You're 46 was, here? I think it was 52 oh. last time I got when I got married. I got married, like, last, uh, two years ago and that's when I found out my jacket size.
2: Yeah, 52 is, that's as wide as it goes. Yeah. yeah. Um Anyway. So you yeah, worked at Brooks Brothers? I did. I did. For a long time. And then before that I was um I guess getting educated. That was before then. Okay.
1: Yeah. Great. yeah. Well, uh welcome to Rhode Island. Um, Thank you. what what brings you what brings you here? Was there just an open position at the church and you applied <laughs> and got it or <laughs> Yeah?
2: It was kind of a fluke, um, but it was also the Bishop of Rhode Island had met me at a um, fundraiser in Narragansett for a pilgrim center that we're making uh, in the north of Spain Okay. Uh, in, at the end of the Camino de Santiago, and that was in Narragansett, and I, he knew me, I met him there uh, originally when I was still living in Madrid.
1: Okay. Wow. I know. That's, that's, that, that's quite a resume. I've been all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're very happy to have you here. I'm very space. happy to be had. Um, although, you know, this is... I mean, I know you worked in Queens for a while, but I mean, New York... I'm sorry, uh, Rhode Island is much colder than, I guess, Madrid, Spain. <laughs> yeah, well, it actually
2: it's very cold in, okay. in, in Madrid in, in the winter. Okay. Yeah, colder than uh, you would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well And and I grew up also in Minnesota. So Oh I that's serious country. It it really is. I mean my whole childhood was in Minneapolis, so I know what cold is like. So this is nothing. Well
1: it's nothing for us too. It's Mm. that dastardly climate change that will hopefully never put Wickford underwater, but this is one of those towns where everyone's worried about it. (laughs) yeah um it's a delightful town so it is it's very cute yeah um uh, my wife actually um she used to sing the the Messiah sang at the Baptist street church oh. across the street uh every year. They didn't do it this year, but Handel's Messiah yeah, that's a thing that happens across the street.
2: We're doing it here next Christmas mm. with a group from brown they're okay super
1: talented, okay, great yeah yeah. Nice. Uh-huh. Well, look forward to that. Yeah. Um, um, okay, let's. Uh, n- not that I couldn't talk with you like this all day, but we are here to talk about um, Southern Pacific, and that is uh, God is coming, and boy, is she pissed. Yeah. Um, in my research for this uh, topic, um, one of the first questions I I came to in my head of from this quote is um, why do you think it is that we gender God in general?
2: I don't know. I I don't have any answers for you. I'm a priest with questions and not answers. Um, and I selected That's not
1: that. Good. That's not good news for me. No.
2: <laughs> well. I selected, that's the only bumper sticker, religious bumper sticker, I can ever think of. And I saw it in Minneapolis, so it that bumper sticker was like, I don't know what, 30, 40 years old.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, uh, then I guess, what made you, uh, let me ask you this. Yes? Why... Uh, how does this bumper sticker make you feel
2: when you see it? makes me laugh. It makes me, um... And why is that? Because it's hilarious that, um... I mean, all of, really, a religious life is turning everything upside down, usually. I think if you're following God's will, it's not what you think, um... Uh, you asked me how I got this job, and I don't know. Everything is quite unexpected, or has been, in my career as a as a priest, um, including becoming a priest. So um, I did not grow up in a religious household. Hmm. Really, yeah. Uh, my father was a wasp, um, an actual wasp. And uh, my mom was from uh, Lithuanian immigrants. From, from, And so I grew up with a lot of many Jewish people that had gone through uh, World War II and um, grew up around them when I was attending an Episcopal prep school in Minneapolis and then went to the Northeast for college and graduate school um, and studied literature and then kept being drawn to religion and Uh, religious people and um, I think I'm unconventional maybe that's why the bumper sticker appeals to me but I'm drawn to convention like I do love Mm -hmm. the Episcopal Church I do love the conventions because I'm unconventional Mm -hmm. so the conventions kind of I think they balance me out, and I respect them, and I like them. And you know, in the patristic period when they were putting together the Nicene Creed, and I think it was Gregory of Nazianzus, if I have that correct, maybe that's wrong. But they were all the 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 biggest discussions were over the Holy Spirit and gender, and the Holy Spirit Mm. had no gender. Yeah, and this was so problematic uh, for people, which is kind of uh, curious. And, and we're living right now in a time with a lot of young people that are questioning gender and their pronouns yeah. and and all the rest. So, it's um. So it's an interesting time, um, and I think that yeah, God is larger than the you know words, and God is mm-hmm. God is love. So love doesn't really come in a. Gender. I mean, we are gendered mm-hmm. and, um, that, you know, the love of my father was different than the love of my mother. I was lucky to have all those things. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bumper sticker makes me laugh. So it's mm-hmm. good to laugh in the religious business, I think.
1: It definitely is. Um, it's, it's, I've always found that it. As soon as you start taking yourself too seriously, is when things start to get weird. Yeah, um, and that goes for individually and for organizations in general. Yeah, um, because yeah. once you start thinking things like, we know, I know what's right and 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 what's wrong, and this is what it is, and you start really pushing that on to people, that's when, I guess hate really begins
2: yeah that's not good no it's not um I think I also like that bumper sticker because I'm of the time frame and period upon entering seminary when a lot of women were drawn into the priesthood um whereas before it had been mainly male mm. not mainly male dominated and um that kind of came out of, a I guess, a patriarchal culture in a lot of ways. Um, although for me, my priesthood was informed by girls, teenage girls mm. that were abandoned and abused in the murder capital of the world in San Pedro Sula, Honduras. Mm. And they were really my first theologians. And I knew nothing about girls and... Menstruation and bra <sighs> sizes, and I was, and I didn't even speak Spanish when I arrived there, so I was just totally out of place. And so, um, God did come to me, and God came to me in the form of the female. Mm. There's 72 girls that were abandoned and they were abused, and um, in a country that we tend not to pay attention to. And um, it, it, gave, it gave me everything for my priesthood. So I owe a lot, on top of the fact that I had a, a mom who gave birth to me, that, um, who taught me to speak, gave me language. And um, I'm also a published writer, as well as a priest. I, that was before the priest stuff. So... Um, I think in my older age I've become more appreciative of women and what they have given to me. Mm-hmm. When I was young, I was pretty oblivious to just about everything.
1: Mm. I mean, weren't we all?
2: I don't know. I can only tell you about myself. Well. I've, I've, um, it's been a, a, a long slow process of illumination. Mm-hmm.
1: I've, I've, always, like, I've always felt that the older I get, the less I know.
2: Yeah, I think somebody famous said that. Terrence, I think, it was it's a famous thing, but it's true. It's yeah. famous for a reason. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like,
1: you know, when I was in my early 20s, I had all the solutions to all of problems. How old are you? How old do you think I am? You're young. <laughs> You're very young. Uh, I think I'm, I'm in my mid 30s now. Well, that's a good time. Right. So far, so so far, so good. Yeah. Uh, the mid thirties have been pretty okay to me. Um, I just turned thirty four uh, last year. That's um, your so life I'm, is beginning. Uh, yeah. So I just terribly. I just hit my mid thirties. Your life is just opening up. Yeah, and that's uh, exciting. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was. Um, I would say that the twenties were definitely the funnest part of my life. My early thirties were was absolutely terrible because I find that. Uh, and I've noticed it on my friends also who are just starting to turn thirty also that like once you turn thirty, you start reexamining your entire life up to that moment, and you realize that, or at least for me, I realized I don't even know who I actually am when I turned thirty. Yeah. Um. And uh. And my, from thirty to now has me has been me trying to figure out who is Taylor Wilkie. as a a human being that is his own person, not the person his parents raised, not the person that the schools that he went to or didn't go to uh, created or the jobs that I had before. It's it's who am I going to be going into my adult life. And so far, I'm doing pretty okay. Yeah, you Um, look, look. Looks pretty good. Yeah, thanks. Um... But yeah, that's just a, that's a quick sidebar, I guess, into more about Taylor Wilkie as a person that I'm sure the listeners don't want to hear about. But <laughs> why not? Um, but you know, it's it's that's what we're all here for, you know, just to, just to chat and have.
2: I realized something recently. I, I um, well, I had like a misstep, minor, but it was the point of great illumination, and the illumination was that. Everybody is of equal value. Mm. Everybody's life.
1: Absolutely. And that's something that I think...
2: You, me, yeah. men, women. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, so... Absolutely. it's it. it that's absolutely true. It's, well, I would have said it before, but I didn't really fully understand it until... I don't know. It was a nice illumination. I felt happy and mm. and freer. Um, I think as an eldest child, uh, kind of driven, competitive, um, I felt, even if I wasn't saying it, that what I was doing was maybe a little important, more important than other people. And I don't think that's right. I think I had that wrong. Yeah. I mean, I was very focused on certain things and very kind of like, driven yeah driven 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 and i guess that's okay but um to have passion about things and wanting to do things get get them done right especially with writing but it didn't it didn't mean that because i was writing a book of poems that my life was more really more important than the tailor in the back at brooks brothers we were of equal Value And I just mm. kind of got that upon arriving in Rhode Island,
1: which is good.
2: Mm. I mean, I got it at a deeper level. Mm.
1: There's, um, I completely agree. There is a, uh, you mentioned Taylor's, not me, Taylor, but like the tradesman Taylor. That's right. Um, <laughs> there is, uh, I feel as though, I guess I'm, I'm getting really getting on my soapbox for this episode, but, um, there's been a, for most of my life, I feel like people have been looking down on trades, um, and and that and and I, I'm not sure why. I have my I have my theories, but nothing I'm willing to say on a recorded line. Um, but
2: you mean uh, trades
1: like electricians, electricians, or, tailors, blacksmiths, carpenters, uh, draftsmen, plumbers, yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like for some reason our society has has looked down on those trades for a long time and. So much so that we're we are now running out of them. People who know how to people who are we're running out of welders, plumbers, electricians, people aren't picking up these skills that society really needs to function because somebody somewhere said, uh, you shouldn't learn a trade, you should go to college and be an educated person and work in an office. And, yeah,
2: and, and that's not
1: made for everybody, really. Exactly. and I. But sometimes I feel as though schools kind of pushed that, on, push those thoughts onto kids rather than... Well, in my
2: prep school, for sure, I mean, it was a hothouse for getting into a good school, and that was something my mom really wanted for me. I mean, in my case, it was okay because mm-hmm. I... Thrived in some of that, not mm. all of it, Um, but yeah, The you know that famous hymn. It's a British hymn. And one was a na 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 na, and the nee And one, you know, it's like talks about all the different kinds of people in the mm. world. Like one was a plumber, and one was a, and they were all they're all saints. It says the says the song, and it's it's um it's always makes me happy.
1: Nice, uh huh. Okay. Well, uh, not to make us take a sharp left turn back. Oh, to topic. where are we going? <laughs> um, but uh, you want more on gender? Uh, well, kind of, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, uh You said earlier in the conversation that you, you you saw God through the girls who you met. That's true. Um, and d- does that mean that you do you as a as a personal viewpoint? Do you see God as a woman? No, I mean, God is like a energy,
2: like a force, like a uh, this this that's how I guess I if you put another O in it, it's good. Mm. And um, It's all the positive, wonderful love that's in the world i guess that's how you know that poem by by george herbert he sort of classifies who's our famous anglican mm. poet and priest um sees uh, god as love also not gendered in that poem. Mm -hmm. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, the ungrateful, Ah, my dear, then I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I. Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame. Ah, my dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. That's a poem from the 17th century from George Herbert, who only lived to be 40 years old. And I think he probably saw God the same way that I'm talking about it. I mean, it wasn't, it was, it's just, uh, it's, it's bigger than we can articulate. Mm. Um, Somehow a church or a sermon or the feeling is, is trying to, trying to contain the unknowable. You can't really do it, but um, you know what the Brits say that a priest's life is, um, is. What do they say? It's very funny. A vicar's life is um, six days. Um, oh, God, I just quoted that. Six days. Um, what, what, what is it? I, I forgot it. I forgot it. Six days un- unknowable and one day. i forgot i forgot i forgot no
1: worries someone will no worries someone will uh i'm sure i got the poem it's amazing i remember that i was was very impressed i can't
2: remember that but anyway the idea that a a vicar's life is just dealing with all all the unknowability of mm -hmm. of life
1: Mm -hmm. now so so you're saying that i mean i'm not saying you're saying but um Even though we do gender God, in general, um, you're saying you, you're of the idea that God—I mean, God is—is is a non-gendered entity. It's just, its energy. God is warmth. God is love. God is yeah, God are these know. intangible things that um, we feel but can never actually hold.
2: It totally is in a twelve step group thirty six years ago in England uh, in a basement of a Quaker meeting house. I remember everybody holding hands and uh, there was a woman whose husband had died by suicide. Her name was Pat, and uh at that time in in those meetings people were still smoking so you couldn't even see people across the room there was so much smoke in the room but anyway in her british accent she said um can can you feel it can can you feel the the energy as we were holding hands in that room and um that that's god
1: Mm. that's what it is nice nice um so Another part of this bumper sticker uh-huh. um, that um, is uh, it, th- th- this bumper sticker says, uh, "God is coming and she is pissed." Uh huh. Um. Why do you think God is upset?
2: Well, in that bumper sticker, it's because yeah. everybody's been calling God a man, and God actually turns out to be a woman. That's the that's what's so funny. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you don't think God is actually upset with us in general? I don't know. Well, that's what we're here to talk about.
2: <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I I think of God as like that poem, like mm. it's love. I'm not too, mm. um, I mean, the good news of the New Testament is mm. that the judgment is going away. mm. You know that's what the difference is, right?
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: From do you, the Old Testament, don't mm. you think? Um, the difference. What's the difference for you between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Um, Not to put you on the spot. Taylor. Well, I think
1: I think I I think the main character of the New Testament is just genuinely cooler. Um. But what does it basically say? Uh, I don't know.
2: What does it say? Well, what do you? Th- I mean, you're going to church at St. Luke's, and
1: well, yeah. why do you go there? Um, I go to St. Luke's because um, I I enjoy the general vibe of St. Luke's. Um, Father Tim is a great uh, is a great rector. And why is it great? Um, he has a kindness about him, a kindness that I haven't seen in a that I hadn't seen in a clergyman in a long time. That's important, and
2: and the kindness. What why why is kindness so important?
1: Um, well, and how would you define kindness? There's a lot to unpack here. From um, and and I think I mentioned it in my last episode also, and I mentioned it in every episode it seems. Uh, I was I was born and raised Roman Catholic, and. Um, the general vibe I got from that from that organization was, um, uh, unless you agree, you can't come. Mm-hmm. Um, not that uh, not that I'm saying every Catholic church, Roman Catholic church, is like that, uh, but that's the general vibe I got from the leader, the leadership. More like didactic
2: or dogmatic. Well, that's why people like the Episcopal Church, because you don't have to leave your brain at the door.
1: Exactly. And that's something I really liked about when, when I discovered St. Luke's and I went in for the first time. And um, and there was a there was a woman on the altar saying, give, saying the mass and there was a rainbow flag. In the rafters, and everyone was very kind and welcoming, and wanted to know my name and where you're from and how'd you find yourself here, and and that's what I really like about the Episcopal Church. It's every uh, every church service, I've, every Episcopal service I've been to has they've at some point has said someone has said um, all are welcome at God's table,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that is huge for me. Or that that was that was huge for me to hear. Uh after living in a or or being brought up in a, in a faith that didn't necessarily accept everyone as they were. And that that's something I always kind of bumped up against was you know, if God is if God is great and God does everything for a reason and everybody exists because of God's will, why is there why is there a whole group of people Why are there why are there whole groups of people that this group is excluding from that, and that was always the question of that I came up against. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I lost faith for a while, and then I, I met a girl, and she was a singer, and uh, she sang at different churches through our early relationship, and eventually she got a job singing at St. Luke's, and now, uh, now we are prisoners of St. Luke's. We got mm-hmm. married there. Uh, two years ago. Mazel tov. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, now I feel like you're interviewing me. (laughs) And. (laughs) Well. And that's fine. This is just a conversation. So you're a poet. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you get into writing poetry?
2: I was in AP English class uh, in my prep school. And I had a great teacher. And, uh. I just, uh, like, the lights went on in the room, and I just couldn't get enough of it.
1: Mm. Um, When did you write your book, and what's the name of it?
2: I wasn't published until I was 40. Oh. So, yeah, a a little bit older than you, Taylor. That's
1: fine. And... (laughs) I'm not published at all.
2: (laughs) I, um, about the time I was your age, or even a little younger, I had this desire to get a book published, and then over the next 15 years, until I was 40, I was sending the book out and getting uh, rejected from first book competitions, which is how books of poetry are normally published in the United States. And then when I was 40, I, after 300 times of getting rejected, I won. So that was about, that that was 20, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a, so a third book, I've had one every 10 years, the th- I'm going to be 60 and the third one will come out in um, the spring of 2024 with Random House FSG. Oh. Yeah. So I've, yeah, I've had a whole writing life. Mm. I've been very fortunate.
1: Mm. That's really great. And what, what are the names of your books, if people want to look them up?
2: Um, the Clerks, you just type in my name and it'll all pop up. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. There's a film, too, um, that we made in Honduras that we're going to show at the library here on um, uh, uh, yeah April 29th. The director's flying in from California. Okay. Uh, James Franco, who, a Hollywood actor, uh, was the executive producer for that film and it won prizes and it's all about the girls in honduras Mm -hmm. and and that writing poetry and um that was wonderful yeah Mm
1: -hmm. that's on amazon prime you can
2: see it now okay great
1: yeah um hopefully i'm not sure when this drops but hopefully we don't miss the uh we'll, we'll see if we can drop this early in early in Lent, and uh, oh, maybe we'll, we'll bump you up the order so that... Oh, that would be great,
2: because uh, Brad's coming. It's a really unique opportunity to meet him. Mm-hmm. Um, the the person that did the editing worked for Woody Allen. I mean, it's, it's a mm-hmm. first-class thing, mm-hmm. an hour and 18 minutes, about Honduras and girls and poetry mm-hmm. and... A little bit of me thrown
1: in there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I know you mentioned your, your work in you mentioned your work in Honduras a little uh, a few times.
2: I'm mentioning it a lot because just before we did this podcast, I I when I worked in Jackson Heights, I had a young seminarian, okay. a young woman who I loved like a daughter and she was just ordained tonight at the, at the orphanage after we worked together, she was inspired to go live in Honduras and she's been living there all year. And tonight she got ordained. So oh, that's wonderful. It was, yeah, there was a yeah. tear in my eye.
1: Nice. Like yeah. a proud like papa Yeah, exactly
2: moment. like one.
1: Yeah.
2: Which Great. is all the more meaningful because her dad died young. So I've, I've, I've about, you know the church can um, give you things that you've been missing in a lot of ways, mm. family and mm.
1: all kinds of things. Um, you mentioned that. Uh, can you tell us more about specifically about your ministry in Honduras and what what you did uh, there? Uh, and sure. Um, and I I know you've mentioned it a few times in the in the in the podcast, but you didn't really. We never really drilled down into it. So uh, what, what exactly did you... Uh, what was the ministry that you were performing out there?
2: I, uh, if ministry is the right word. I, uh, I lived there for a year and a half, and we made a documentary film... There was a whole film crew involved, and I was the chaplain on the grounds of Nuestras Pequeñas Rosas, which is, um, for 35 years, they've been taking girls off the street and um, that have no parents, and clothing them, feeding them, educating them. Um, They've graduated dentists and engineers and teachers, and um, so... I was awarded a Fulbright under the Obama administration. And I went down there and we made, I taught them poetry, which had not been done before. And then we made a film while we were doing it. And um, it's was kind of crazy that was the first thing i did as a as a priest and then we made a book there's a book called counting time like people count stars which is a collection of their poems in spanish and english the name of the film is voices beyond the wall the subtitle of the poem is 12 love poems from the murder capital of the world and um my ministry was teaching and was living and accompanying uh, the girls. They had not had a man live on the grounds for many, many years. Mm. So that was also unusual. Mm. And then I I left there, and the Bishop of Spain asked me to come and work in Madrid. And that, I thought, was going to be one year, and it turned into eight or nine.
1: Oh, wow. Well, Mm -hmm. Well, Spencer, it, you have certainly lived a storied life. Mm. Uh, another thing you mentioned uh-huh. during during our thing was um, was you you reopened a a church in the in the midst of the pandemic. Not even at the end, and you were living. Yeah. Were, were you living in Queens during the first yeah. few days of the, the? No,
2: no, no, no. I came back to the states from Madrid. When my mother became ill mm-hmm. and then i returned to the states and then the pandemic started okay. and i went through the pandemic with my mother and my father who are both in declining health mm-hmm. um, and then about eight or nine months into that uh, the diocese of long island asked me to go to jackson heights and i was there for two years mm-hmm. and uh, my father died in august and so i left Jackson Heights and my mom's in a nursing home that is not that far from here which is uh, another part of the puzzle of how I come to be with you Okay. Is that I'm I'm watching over her as I think uh, our father would hmm. would want
1: what was it like living in in Queens running a parish in the midst of the pandemic <laughs>
2: rough <laughs> Queens is tough Queens is like is, is is exciting, dynamic. I was in the world's most diverse neighborhood. There was hundred62 languages in a 25 block radius. So it was just like intense uh, mm. culture language, and the parish was uh, aided, which means that it really didn't have an endowment or resources or it was mm. kind of um, but we, we did a lot, I learned a lot. I learned a ton. It was a crash course in being an American parish priest because, as you know, I was out of the country for really over 10 years. So I was kind of unfamiliar with America. Even though I'm an American, that's a long time to be away. Yeah. And so the way people behaved and the, the way things are done in the church and liturgically, and it's all different all over the world. So... Um it was a great place to become reacquainted with America and American customs mm. and um m- made me arrive here with
1: yeah more
2: confidence probably mm.
1: what would you say the biggest culture shock was when you returned to America?
2: Oh, how divisive things were people were people were there's a lot of antagonisms and, mm-hmm. um, uh, America is dynamic and exciting and, um, uh, there are things that happen in America that don't happen in other parts of the world. So some of it was refreshing and fun to be back amongst, um, and other things were, um, a little jarring, um. The life goes fast here, in a way. Mm. Um, the pace is slower in Spain. Yeah, it's a, it's a different, it's a different mentality. I was just trying to explain this on a Zoom board meeting I'm on, but it's just, it's just a very different world. Yeah, they think differently. They mm. do things differently. The expectations are different uh, at work and in church and and it can be really humbling because you don't understand it when you arrive mm. so you say things that are maybe inappropriate in that culture that wouldn't be in this one and it was a great education
1: mm. well Father Spencer that's um, that's our time together okay good I gotta
2: go home and look up that British thing now I just said it in a sermon the other night
1: isn't that funny I can remember the whole poem and not the saying but yeah, that's life um, if, uh, we asked, we asked this, of, of all the clergy that are on the podcast, um, if someone want to hear you preach uh-huh. on a Sunday, uh-huh. where should they go?
2: <laughs> well, they come right here, um, to St. Paul's Wickford. It's a lovely parish and there's lovely people here. I'm very moved by the whole situation that I walked into. And um, we have services at 9 on Sunday. We're just reopening the 515 service uh, where we'll have more guest preachers, Tom, Tom Chappell of Tom's Toothpaste, and all the writers. We started a spiritual refugee series with over 14 writers coming from across the country that we'll read at the library. And they'll be integrated into the parish life um, and preach as lay preachers on Saturday. But me, it's me and the bishop on on Sunday. Okay. Yeah.
1: Great. And um, you've definitely dropped a lot of, um, uh, I guess guess we have quite the bibliography to include in our show notes uh, for this episode, Um, but we're very excited to. Taylor. Yes.
2: Thank you for coming over here and doing this. And um, if we close in prayer, I just ask... uh, prayers for you and your Mm. your wife and it's uh, ivy that's on here right yes and all the people that are coming together to make these podcasts and um for saint paul's this parish that has welcomed me that it will thrive and grow and um express jesus's radical love which is without judgment which was my question to you taylor the difference between the old testament and the new testament that people used forget. And when I came back into America to tie this all together, people were judging people so much, more than I remembered, but maybe they were before. And um, there was a lack of mercy in the culture. And if Jesus came to do anything, it was to forgive and to not judge other people. We just, it's not our job. It's not my job to judge people, so... That's an important message, I think, um, and goes across all cultures, all genders, everything.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Once again, Father Spencer, it was a pleasure having you. Thank you. Uh, We will have all of your contact information and all the books you've referenced and all the things you've been a part of in the show notes if anybody's interested. uh, And if anybody wants to reach out and ask you any questions. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. God bless. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.
0: They lived not only in ages past, there are hundreds of thousands still. The world is bright with the joyous saints who love to do Jesus' will. You can meet them in school, or in lanes, or at sea, in church, or in trains, or in shops, or at tea. For the saints of God are just folk like me, and I need mean
1: to be one too. Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology, a ministry of St. John's Cathedral in Rhode Island. We would like to thank our producers, Ivy Swinsky and Taylor Wilkie. Special thanks to Moa Conde and David Hines for our music. Our sponsors, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley, as well as our guests today. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias.